0: Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up. With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now.
1: It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show. On News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader. Welcome to the program 909 here on KDXU. I'm Andy Griffin, live from. And North Fluff Street, Camping World of St. George Studios on Mayor's Thursday. And it uh, seems like it's been a while, but we got him. Chris Staley, Mayor of Washington City, is here. Hi, Chris. How are you? Good
0: morning, Annie. Doing well, thanks.
1: Thanks for coming on. Chris uh, is the mayor of the second largest city in Washington County. And uh, what would what, we what say, 30,000 or so?
0: Yeah, we're pushing 30,000 full-time residents and closer to 40 with uh, a number of individuals from the Wasatch Front primarily who have second homes in Washington.
1: Yeah, uh, probably not coming down too much for the next couple of months because it's <laughs> going to be so dead gum hot here, but uh, yeah, snowbirds we like to call them. Uh, also with us today is Matt Evans, the fire chief for Washington City. Matt, how are you, man?
2: I'm doing well, thanks. How are okay. you?
1: Good. Thanks for coming in today. Uh, full disclosure again, before any time we do anything with Washington City, my wife is the executive assistant to the city manager. Uh, for Washington city so uh, I don't think it changes my perspective on things but uh, just so people know yes I do have uh i don't know i don't I don't think it's nepotism but i have I know someone very close to someone who's worked for Washington city for 27 years so uh, she was a court clerk for a long time so she only knew the uh, senior side of Washington City for a while, <laughs> but uh, now she's uh, moved into the front office and it's, it's really cool. I call her the fixer, Chris, because if there's a problem, uh, somebody calls Shelly and she'll fix it. So.
0: I've I, I found that often I can just forward the information on and she's got it taken care of before I can circle back around.
1: Yeah, it's been that way in my family for 33 years, so uh, if I got a problem, go to Shelly. She takes care of it. So, uh, guys, thanks for coming on today. We're going to talk all things Washington City. Uh, and, of course, we'll talk with Matt about uh, fire season, firework season, wildfire season. It's all kinds of season. We even have, theoretically, monsoon season coming up, although we'll see if that actually comes to fruition, I guess. Uh, we don't want all the water to come at once, but we do want it to
2: come. For sure. So. We could definitely use it. A... Uh, all
1: right. All uh, right. Let's start off with let's start off with Matt for a second and talk a little bit about wildfires. I read a thing today. Uh, they they did a presentation. The, the the Forest Service did a presentation on wildfires in front of the legislature yesterday. Uh, they said there have already this year been two hundred wildfires in the state of Utah. Uh, it feels like Matt we are dry as a bone, and if you toss a match. In fact, we saw at the airport the other day somebody threw a cigarette butt into a, a shrub, and the shrub caught fire just like that. It feels like uh, we are um, prime for something big, and not a good thing.
2: Yeah, un- unfortunately, we're we're not seeing much of uh, what we used to consider fire season. Yeah. But, uh, it seems to be more of a year-round problem, mm. and uh, we've probably been uh, at least a couple of months uh, where you know we've had a some type of a wildfire somewhere in the county. Uh, that took a significant amount of resources to uh, wow. to take care of it, and and some that have already uh, you know broken out and and taken you know five six days uh, to a, a week or two to actually get fully extinguished. So
1: you have a unique job, and of course, as fire chief, you have to make sure residents' homes are taken care of and, and covered. But Washington does have some wildland area and some area that could catch fire and, and create a wildfire situation. Uh, do you have uh, certain guys that are assigned to that kind of thing, a, a wildland crew or a wildfire crew?
2: We don't. We don't separate that. Uh, okay. uh, most of our people are are certified both in uh, in wildland. Uh, they they call that a red card certification, and then okay. they're also certified uh, for structural fires. So we we see that, and you know, we call that that interface. Uh, it's kind of where the two meet, uh, which is really the, uh, the the challenges that you have in the really all over is. Uh, as people build in all those places that uh, used to be remote and used to just be grass and trees and now we have people in them
1: a lot of people a lot of houses a lot of uh, in fact i think a lot of people that build in those what used to be wild areas they 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 discover tarantulas and scorpions and sometimes snakes and, and i i have a hard time feeling bad for them because that's those snakes and scorpions have lived there for centuries you're the one that's coming in and taking their space. So Absolutely. Uh, I, I always do this with fire chiefs. I try to bait them into how much they hate 4th of July or the 24th <laughs> or whatever and fireworks. And pretty much every fire chief I've said has said, you know what, people deserve to celebrate. It's okay. Uh, but it definitely presents some special challenges for you.
2: It does. And, you know, and we agree. It, uh, and there's, there's good ways and bad ways. Uh, you know, honestly, last year was probably... Uh, one of our best years uh hmm. throughout the whole area uh, to be honest uh we 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 still had some calls it's a it 's a busy night uh for sure yeah. and and really it uh of course the statute uh, only allows fireworks a couple of days before and a couple of days after uh, most of those holidays um, and those days especially as they, uh, the uh the fourth or the twenty fourth uh, if it falls on a Sunday, then that uh, that tends to mix things up, and we have a, a few busier nights. Two, uh, two
1: busy nights instead of one, huh?
2: Exactly. <laughs> and so it, uh, it's just part of the business. It's something that you plan for, and, you, you know, we, uh, we, we bring on extra staff for those nights, and you just know that you're going to be uh, pretty busy.
1: Is it, uh, and maybe, maybe Chris, or, or you could answer this, is there going to be designated areas we're supposed to put off fireworks, or can I go in the middle of my street and my subdivision and set them off there?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, and, uh, and you know, we have a map, uh, as most jurisdictions do. Uh, we have some restrictions that uh, that are in place. The state requires us to figure that out the 1st of May um, and, and submit that all to the state uh, for them to post as well. Um, but uh, for the most part in Washington, um, just as you uh, kind of alluded to, if if you're on your street in front of your house, chances are you're probably okay. Okay. It's really along the outside edges of, of town. Um, and then some of those areas uh, that run, you know, close to the river, uh, we have a lot of, uh, obviously, a lot of growth and,
1: yeah. and some
2: real challenges if something gets in mm-hmm. there. It's, uh, it's pretty tough.
1: When, when I was younger, you could set off, you know, the, like the Roman candles and things like that, but you couldn't use uh, fireworks that shot into the air somewhere along the way and maybe you even know the year they decided to make those legal in the state of utah where you can shoot bottle rockets and and even your own uh, aerial aerial fireworks and uh, that was a little bit of a game changer wasn't it
2: it really was it used to be pretty easy uh to tell if if you saw any fireworks uh Really, for the most part, if they went above the roof of somebody's house, you knew that they were illegal. Yeah, and uh, now it's not quite the same. Um, there are uh, they're, they're still only allowed Class C's, uh, so like bottle rockets are, are actually still illegal. Oh, are they? Uh, but I did uh, not know but that. there are uh, aerials that uh, uh, that you can set off. For for the most part, as long as you buy them in Utah. Uh, you know, from a, a reputable stand that's out on the street, <laughs> chances are pretty good you're you're safe, and uh, that, that's what they're selling. If you're uh, if you're going out of state to buy them, uh, be careful, and you know, just make sure you're you're buying those Class Cs.
1: When I lived in Northern Utah, everybody would go to Wyoming and buy their fireworks. Here, I guess it's what Valley of Fire or whatever uh, they go and buy them here. But uh, be aware, and so so if someone gets caught doing what they're not supposed to do with with certain fireworks. What happens? Do you go and write them a ticket, or
2: we do? And so they'll uh, they'll be issued a citation. Of course, it's uh, it's illegal in, in Utah, and then the uh, the flip side of that too is uh, they're also uh, basically on the hook for any damages that occur. Mm,
1: good point.
2: So when they're putting those off illegally in in those areas, so really even traditionally, uh, we don't have problems if they uh, if they light them off in the areas. Um, th- that are open it's uh, it's when they get out on the outskirts and then they cause a problem um, and uh, the uh, the statute allows to uh, to bill them for the cost and it adds up really fast.
1: It does just like if I you know it's not burn season I'm burning weeds in my backyard and start the neighborhood on fire I'm on the hook for that too, right Absolutely. so all right, something to keep in mind folks, as you uh, set off your fireworks, legal or otherwise, that you could be on the hook for a lot of money. Absolutely. A lot of money. All right, Cress uh, again, uh, the mayor of Washington so We're not done with you, Matt. You can't leave yet. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about some of the stuff coming up in Washington City. Uh, a couple of things. First of all, ribbon-cutting on a road. Tell us what road and what's going on there.
0: Yeah, so this is exciting. So this is in Washington. It's <clears throat> it's our 3650 South. Okay. And in St. George, it's 1450 South. Now, the landmark Red Cliffs Temple there. In the in the Washington fields, uh, there's a new section of road that's in a, a joint project between our cities, and we're we're uh, connecting our roads. And as we uh, connected um, figuratively and literally, connecting our cities, connecting our roads, right there at that juncture, uh, uh, Washington City got together with the city of Saint George, and we discussed the uh, possibility of of naming a road uh, that would uh, would be significant and historical, and so. So yeah, we are. We're going to have a ribbon cutting on uh, Tuesday, June twenty first at nine a.m. So, right there. So this coming week. This yeah next yeah. Tuesday, and it'll be right there on three thousand East next to the new Redcliff Temple, and we're gonna we're gonna cut the ribbon. We're gonna unveil the name of the road. I think words words leaked a little bit what that is, but uh,
1: I haven't heard so.
0: But it's, uh, it's and exciting. And he's not going to tell me, is he? <laughs> <laughs> well, and you even have an insider, and you still didn't get to know
1: no, him. No, <laughs> I know. Well, I, I might have to, a little pillow talk tonight, I might have to talk to <laughs> Shelly about what that road's going to be.
0: Well, it's an, exciting, it's an exciting section of road because in Washington, um, you know, we've, we've budgeted to extend that road to the east, and that will tie in uh, to the Southern Parkway. And okay. I and I've read it, that uh, the city of Saint George has budgeted to extend that road to the west, to the uh, Crosby Confluence Park area. So that's a pretty significant section of road. It'll be a major uh, east-west corridor throughout the county, and I, I think it, it's uh, I think it's indicative of the good working relationship we have with our neighbors and the respect that we have for each other and and really the the collaboration that we have as we we consider you know regionally how do we grow and how do we how do we tackle the challenges so so this this really will help the the interconnectivity for the county
1: so, the, and I, I, I'll let the name thing go. You don't have to tell me, but who thought of the name? Who? Where did the name come from?
0: So, so I've actually been pushing for one common name for a few years. Mm-hmm. And we've had a number of names come and go, but but I have to give credit where it's due. And Mayor Randall, Michelle Randall, okay. came up with, with the name. And then the process was, was, was great. We, um, we talked as mayors, as we often do. And we decided to get together, uh, and I said, "Look, if if you'll bring your public works director and a couple of council members, uh, we'll host you at our public works and a couple of council members." And so we sat down together, and and we discussed it, and 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 there were some really uh, neat names that came. But but when when uh, when they shared that particular name, we felt like it was just um, absolutely fitting in connecting our cities and being historically accurate to. Uh, to some of our, you know, our, our initial heritage and really our American patriotic heritage. So, so I think when, when you hear the name, it'll you'll have a little bit of an aha.
1: <laughs> you're teasing us. You, you're uh, and, you're uh, such a tease. <laughs> I'm, I if any of the listeners know the new name, you can text me right now four six seven five eight four two because Cress isn't going to give it up. So uh, that's all right. That's all right. We understand. And that is again the ribbon cutting is next Tuesday. At what time?
0: Uh, 9 a.m. 9
1: a.m. Okay, and right. then we will. I'll be on the air. Sorry, we'll, I won't be there.
0: We'll open the road, which is another thing that the, the road's been done and striped. We were just trying to finish up some some concrete on the sides, and um, with there's been a little bit of shortage there, so that's been a challenge. But uh, whether those sidewalks are done or not on uh, the 21st, that road will be open right after the ribbon cutting.
1: Very cool. Very cool. So you guys got to cut the ribbon, then get out of the way.
0: Yeah, those well, cars will be coming. We, I might let Matt take me in a fire truck or along the road just to get it broke in. But <laughs> absolutely.
1: Uh, speaking of fire trucks, did you guys get a new fire truck?
0: Did oh, I hear that. Yeah, we we are really excited about this apparatus. It's it's a 107 foot uh, Pierce Ascendant. Correct. Okay. I
1: don't yeah. know what that means, but I'll take your word I for it. I think it
0: means the ladder goes 107 feet uh, in the air. For real. Correct. Wow.
1: Would you go, Matt? Would you go up on top of that thing?
0: Yeah. You know, it it takes a little
2: getting used to because it uh, it's not very stable, and as you get up there, it bounces more
0: and more. So. All
1: right. That's a that's a hard no from this direction. Okay. I'm not going there. Chris, are you up
0: there on that thing? (laughs) Oh, definitely not. Definitely definitely not.
1: not. (laughs) Okay. And yeah, uh, maybe I might do it if there was no swaying involved, but if it's bouncing and swaying, there's no way. No chance. So, all right, tell us more about it. I heard, and I have no idea what these cost, I heard that these fire trucks are really, really expensive.
0: Yeah, so we're, we're over a million dollars. Wow. But, but here's one thing that, that I felt like was, was really wise, and I've got to give a lot of credit to the chief and to the council on this, is you know we've partnered with the Hurricane Valley Fire District. We have a shared station. It's our station 64. It's their station 46. It's right there on our border near Coral Canyon. And this makes a lot of sense there because we're able to service that area with, with you know, a shared lo- a fire station and jointly staffed. So, you know, we've been, we've been budgeting and saving for years and years for a ladder truck. But well, we recognized that the, the Hurricane Valley had the same need, so we were able to share this apparatus. And, and Chief has actually been out and seen it, and he can tell you a little bit of how beautiful this this equipment is. But but I feel like if we're able to uh, stretch our tax dollars. Um, By by sharing the cost and sharing the need with our neighbors, Um, you know, on our east side with Hurricane Valley, uh, you know, I'm just looking at our budget here. We we spent about $505,000, and and they picked up the the balance on that. So, So it was a good approach to being good, you know, wise stewards of tax dollars.
1: Every little kid, when they were little, wanted to be the guy that drove the fire truck. Uh, Matt, do you have to have some kind of special certification to drive this thing? Because if it's got a hundred and seven foot ladder, this is going to be—I know it folds up and everything—but it's, it's got to be a pretty big truck.
2: It is, and they—you uh, know—technology is pretty amazing. Uh, it wasn't that many years ago uh, for a ladder that size, and the uh, the counterbalance and the uh, on the turntable and everything. Uh, those trucks had to uh, be a dual axle. They were pretty tough to get into neighborhoods. Yeah. And today, uh, you know, you can buy it. It's about the same size as a regular fire engine. Really? On a, you know, a single rear axle. Uh, just the amazing things they do with technology. So you don't
1: have to have, have to have a guy in the back with a steering wheel steering the back of the truck or anything.
2: Yeah, and they do. They still make those. Uh, yeah. And that's that's the job that everybody in the fire service really wants. Yeah. They want to do it at least once. Uh, <laughs> you know, down here, because those little cabs aren't air conditioned, they only want to do it once in the yeah, summertime. That's but right. uh, <laughs> I'm done. That was good.
1: Uh, uh, but
2: those give you a ton more mobility, of course. So especially getting in and through and around a lot of apartment complexes. So we uh, we do see those. Um, but luckily, uh, our our council is much better at, uh, at at some of those kind of issues and make sure they get us some space so we can get rigs in and out. But they do require certifications, and that is different. Mm. From just the regular fire engine so to it the ladder, be a
1: CDL or whatever? It has to be it's, a special certification.
2: It is. It's, okay. uh, it has a lot of the same components, you know, pre-trip inspections, all that, and uh, and then of course it goes farther. There's uh, there's a lot to it as far as the you know everyone thinks water goes in, water goes out. Um, but uh, you got to be pretty decent at math to make all those calculations and figure all that stuff out. That's
1: why they make us take all that math in school, huh?
2: Yeah. They, uh, <laughs> they don't give you a calculator so your math teacher was right. You know, sometime in life you'll have to do all this without a calculator.
1: But not calculus. No? Uh, there's no need for that. <laughs> I had a friend that said, yeah, we, uh, I, I took calculus. I asked them why I had to take calculus, and they said, so you can teach your kids when they come with their <laughs> homework like, that's pretty much the only reason For sure. so by the way mayor somebody texted me i think what is the name of the new road i don't know if you want me to say it or I, I.
0: Please, yes yes
1: <laughs> according to this uh person that texted me the new road is going to be george washington is that right
0: that's correct
1: is it george. boulevard avenue road boulevard. george washington boulevard that is that's pretty cool yeah I'm excited, and he didn't say it, I did, okay, so don't get Crest in trouble, Uh, but uh, yeah, pretty pretty cool, George Washington Boulevard, nice, so we have, there's only three boulevards right now, right, St. George, Sunset, and now George Washington, very cool, all right, I feel patriotic already, it was, uh, I think it was George Washington's birthday the other day, but... uh, Anyway, okay, let's move on. Uh, we're talking about the new fire truck. Very cool. Uh, ribbon cutting. Also, there's a cool project, and, and I'm happy, I'm kind of proud to say, my wife kind of headed this project up, uh, and it's honor- And They had it in St. George already, uh, and now they're going to honor the Cold War veterans. Uh, in Washington City. And like I said, my wife was kind of the project head. I stay out of her work because, quite frankly, that's not my area of expertise, and she's good at what she does, and I, I just let her do it. But maybe if you can tell us a little bit about that, Chris.
0: Yeah, yeah it's exciting. So, you know, Washington City's long been known for the way that, that we honor and respect our veterans. Mm-hmm. You know, we, in our, our veterans park right in the heart of our downtown is kind of the, the county celebration for Veterans Day every year. So, yeah. so this this November 11th will will be no different. It'll be a it'll be a, a nice celebration where we recognize all veterans. But but one of the things that uh, that's been recognized is that that some of those Cold War era veterans have been overlooked. And so, uh, what we're doing as part of that uh, celebration this year on November 11th is we um, we're we're adding names onto a registry for mm-hmm. those who served in any branch, whether it be, you know, Army, Navy, Air Force, uh, you know, full time or Reserve and Guard. Yeah. Um, if you served from the years 1945 to 1991, then we're asking uh, for the and you're a Washington City resident. We're asking for that uh, you to get uh, Shelley to you know, get your name listed so that we can um, can provide a medal and a special recognition. Uh, on that day, so we're we're really looking forward to honoring those off overlooked uh, veterans from the Cold War era.
1: And I believe uh, isn't the main number six, five, six, sixty three hundred? that's Washington right in city. Just call and say, hey, i'm I know a Cold War veteran or I am a Cold War veteran or my husband is or whatever." And uh, I know that they would love to, to honor you. It's a pretty, pretty cool deal yeah. because some, sometimes, like you said, they get overlooked. We, we, obviously, we love our, our Vietnam veterans and our, and our World War II veterans and, and different wars. Sometimes it's just a matter of chronology. You, you weren't born in the time where you would actually be in a war, but these uh, these guys definitely served our country. So, yep. very cool. We had, uh, Chris, I don't know if you were aware of this, we had uh, the, we rented out a theater and did the Top Gun Maverick uh, premiere we actually had a top gun pilot and we had a guy who had flown the i think it's called the blackbird the SE blackbird the, the one that goes all the way up to the edge of space yeah, and the goes, sr-71 is that what it is yeah it goes two thousand miles an hour or whatever it is and uh, colonel berg and george Gill was the uh, the top gun pilot that were there at the premiere and we got to talk to him a little bit before the movie and stuff so it was really cool uh, these guys that chose to serve their country, you know, especially, not, not especially all of them, of course, but some of these guys went to the top of, I mean, you talk about Top Gun, and you talk about the guy flying the Blackbird. These guys were the best of the best of the best, as good as you can get. So pretty cool, pretty cool deal. So where are we at for time? All right, we've got to get a weather break in. Uh, we'll take a break. Uh, we're with Chris Staley, Mayor of Washington City, and Washington City Fire Chief Matt Evans. Guys, thanks for coming in. Let's uh, take a break. Hey, come and meet.
3: You ought to see me now.
1: Andy Griffin with Troy Paul from the Barbecue Pit Stop. It's Father's Day week, month, year, whatever. It's time to think about dad. Uh, we wanted to spend a minute, Troy, talking about Father's Day food. Now, one of the piece of advice you gave me, I'm like kind of liking that, is kids can make dad breakfast, right?
3: Sure, yeah. They want to do something.
1: Dads are probably going to want to smoke their own meat for Father's Day.
3: Yeah, that's that's kind of what I prefer to do because there's two things I really like. I like to be waited on, <laughs> and I like to barbecue. Yeah. And so if I can do both of those, that's a pretty good Father's Day for me.
1: Pretty, pretty good Father's Day. So, all right, we started thinking about Father's Day. Uh, obviously, a lot of people, are, oh, I'm going to do a brisket. I'm going to start it Saturday night. But what if you forget or you're not ready? Maybe a little shorter smokes. I think this year, Troy, I'm kind of leaning toward... Drumsticks, they they they're so flavorful and they cook so they smoke even quickly. You know, a couple hours and you're ready to eat, ready to go.
3: Yeah, the big brother of the wing, right? It's similar. You can cook it just like you would a wing. Um, but you got a lot more meat on there, too. We did one of those a few days ago, and they're awesome. It's a great choice.
1: Tell me about, now, I use this stuff, I think it's rotisserie marinade or something like that, mm-hmm. but I like to soak my either turkey or chicken in that because it gives it that little extra boost of flavor on the inside. And then you know me; I'm a loot and booty guy on the outside.
3: Yeah, it's a great idea to do some kind of brine or marinade for mm-hmm. your chicken to give it that base flavor, and then how you top it is up to you. I like to use um, it's Cosmos is the brand, mm-hmm. but they have a wing dust. It right, works great right, on yeah. um, drumsticks there, and so I was put that like, the
1: garlic stuff you put on that last time. Yeah, so I put a oh, garlic parm so
3: with a buffalo dry rub, Whew. and the combination for me is awesome. Luton booty's killer too, so yeah. I know that's that's well, your route. And and
1: I always talk about Luton booty, but the, the garlic jalapeno, but it keeps winning. All these I do kind of little mini taste tests with my family and, and friends, and that seems to win almost every time. It's so.
3: it's so good, and it's good yeah. on chicken, it's good on whatever you put it on. So what mm-hmm. I'm doing for mine, mm-hmm. uh, for my Father's Day, what I'm making myself is a steak. So oh, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna do a steak. I mean, you know, it's Father's Day. I don't care what anybody else eats. They can <laughs> you know, they can have leftover pancakes from Salad, breakfast. Dude. I don't care. Yeah, no. But I'm gonna make myself a delicious steak. I'm putting on some hardcore carnivore black, some whiskey bent, the rocks, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm just going to maybe isolate myself in a room and and <laughs> eat myself a big piece of steak
1: i got to ask you before I let you go, are you going to put any sauce on your steak? I mean, you have so many great sauces at the Barbecue Pit Stop. It seems like you got to put
3: something on it. I'm not putting ketchup on it. No. (laughs) That's for sure. Um, No, I'm not going to put any sauce on my steak. Okay.
1: All right. right. Anyway, guys, uh, for more recipes and a chance to maybe find that perfect Father's Day gift, go to the Barbecue Pit Stop located?
3: Right behind Napa Auto Parts on the St. George Boulevard, about 300 east. Come on in and say I'm hi. I'm man. You ought to see me eating now. I got jobs like a bad trap thief, like a on a mid-bag tongue with a sensitive taste. I was born in Texas, the land. Compelling guests, hot topics, the latest news, always on the Andy Griffin Show.
1: Is there a juicy part in it for me? Right here on News Radio 890. 92.5 KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader did get a text a few minutes ago. Apparently there is a gas leak in uh, the Hurricane right now. Uh, about 300 north, 500 uh, west. They're closing State Street both directions for a little while. Well, they address a gas leak in Hurricane City. So uh, hopefully they'll get that taken care of quick and find it. I, sometimes I, Matt, Matt Evans is here, fire chief for Washington City. Sometimes with a gas leak, the, the first thing you got to do is figure out where it's coming from.
2: Yeah, most of the time it's pretty easy. It's the, uh, usually the person with the shovel in their hand. It's usually really close to that.
1: <laughs> Oops. We didn't call blue stakes in advance, <laughs> did we? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, yeah, hopefully everyone say, gosh, don't light a match or smoke a cigarette or anything right now around a natural gas leak. That would be a, a very bad idea. Very bad idea. All right, uh, we're it's Mayor Thursday, Chris Staley, along with Matt Evans here. Uh, let's talk budget for a couple. No, before we go to budget, let's talk about the flip blitz a little bit. Uh, I, you know, and, and everybody's like, well, "What does that mean?" Well, uh, there was a real movement uh, last month uh, to take some of the grass that uh, was using water but not really being used, uh, and and get rid of it, and make it so that there's not grass there anymore. Uh, I know, Chris. a lot of people would say, well, you know, grass helps. It cools things down. Grass is, and, and surely someone uses it sometimes, but there are certain areas where grass just doesn't get used.
0: And we call that non-functional turf. Mm-hmm. And so the initiative has been to replace that type of grass with more of a native desert scape. Okay. But certainly where there are recreational purposes for the grass, mm-hmm. we want to keep that. But if, if it's solely decorative then uh, and, and people aren't picnicking or playing or using it for other things, and then we would just soon uh, save that water for more important purposes like drinking.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, little things like that, staying alive. Uh, talk to me about the, what's the word they use the, the, between a sidewalk and the road, there's a strip of grass. Yeah, it, that w- mow strip. Mow strip or whatever.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, how important are those in our community as far as having them, keeping them cool versus getting rid of them and putting something a little more practical in there yeah
0: so certainly i think grass is is more important in a park or you know in certain areas of of your yard but if it's just there and the only time that that people walk on it is behind a mower then then it ought to be replaced and we call that landscape conversion Mm -hmm. and there are ways to do that where you um where you maintain the trees and the shrubs and the desert scapes, so I mean certainly there is a cooling effect of grass, but we can we can offset that some with with trees and shrubs that are that are native to the area and uh, and we just need to be uh, you know intentional and thoughtful with our grass areas mm-hmm. and not just put it down because it 's easy right so we we just need to be a little more thoughtful and and, and really that 's kind of the, the the point with Flip blitz was that you know as a county as municipalities. You know, in our city specifically, we wanted to lead out. We, we feel like if we're asking residents to be mindful and thoughtful and to change up a little bit the way they're doing things going right. forward, then we ought to lead out on that. So, so we replaced 12,000 square feet of non-functional turf at Nison Park. We replaced uh, 7,000 square feet of turf near our baseball fields and community center on 300 East, mm-hmm. and and that's part of uh, you know a continuing project. We've we removed turf last year and and we'll continue to this year. And so we're just identifying those areas and just being better stewards of of water. And certainly, you know, water is one of those issues where you've got to you've got to address it on multiple fronts. And this is one of many fronts. Is just is just being being wise with with grass areas.
1: There are. Parts of the world, parts of the West, even where water is plentiful, where it 's not a big deal, I lived in Texas. nobody owned nobody put sprinkler systems in because you didn 't need to. It was humid, it was wet, and the grass just grew you know and, and so I was actually I remember first moving to Utah. And I was a teenager, and everybody was talking about their sprinkler systems i 'm like why do you, what are you talking about? Why would you need sprinkler systems and and so yeah we've got to be you've got to be mindful where you live, what the climate is like. Uh, and I, I I do applaud all the city leaders for, for uh, leading out on that. Uh, the only thing I worry about is I personally, Crest, believe that we're in a cycle and, and it's a dry cycle right now, but the wet cycle is coming and that we're going to have pull all this stuff out and then the waters are going to come. And we're going to be like, why do we do that? But because that's just a belief and not. Like reality, like i can 't predict the future uh, you guys i like I said, I respect what you guys did
0: and I hope you 're right, I absolutely hope you 're right, yeah. and, and one thing that you know, our forefathers and generations past have done really well is is they 've had the foresight to build the infrastructure to build the reservoirs and and we certainly benefit from that storage from that savings, so to speak yeah. uh, during these dry seasons and and you know we 're not getting crazy with it but 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 we can we can save millions of gallons by by just being a little more uh, thoughtful.
1: How does the whole uh, culinary water versus secondary water work? I I know there was a push to stop putting culinary water, uh, you know, on our, on our lawns. Uh, is there a way, have we figured out a way to separate those now so that we can do that? I know they were talking about putting some meters in and some different piping and, and stuff.
0: Yeah. So, so for, for about the last 15 or more years in Washington, we have had a, um, a secondary meter stubbed. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now um, it's primarily, primarily culinary water for interior and exterior. And the concern there is that, the average is 60% of a household's water is used on their landscape. Yeah. And so um, regionally, and we're working with the water district and with the other municipalities regionally, we're looking to to uh, get those pipes wet for a pressurized secondary system. And, and there's a lot of things that we can talk about. There's, there's some of that brackish canal water that can be mixed and treated. And then and, and certainly there's, there's a, a significant amount of water that... Uh, that goes to the wastewater treatment facility in st george and 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 they 've been able to uh, incorporate some pressurized secondary systems with that in uh, to it to a small extent and and also with um, with some other uh, irrigation water that they mix and use so um, you know there 's a lot of work to be done, but I think there's a lot of upside potential uh, collectively countywide with uh, with pressurized secondary irrigation systems, and that just that extends culinary water for more important purposes like drinking and, and using it and inside,
1: whatever, yeah. right? What what can be done? It seems like to me one of the issues is uh, these private subdivisions with their HOAs, and they require a certain you know certain amount of water on the ground. How do you deal with with those types of things as a as a public entity, Chris?
0: Yeah, so it's interesting. I, you think that the the, the laws or regulations that are the closest to you affect you the most and certainly if you live in an HOA their CC&Rs maybe affect you even more Yeah, more, uh, true more than, than the city ordinances but uh, going forward um, you know there's there's some some state uh, statutes that have been passed and, and and we're through our review process and and, and platting process. You know we're not looking to have large amounts of, of of grass that's that's unnecessary. I think the bigger challenge is if you're living in an existing HOA and there's common area or you have a home with grassy areas that you'd like to remove. That's more of the challenge. And, and to be honest with you, unless the HOA comes and wants to work with us. That's really between the homeowner and the homeowners association and determining, yeah. you know, are you going to remove grass? Are you going to be, you know, are you going to remove this grass detention basin area that, you know, nobody steps foot on or right. these strip areas right. or whatever it may be?
1: And I've actually had homeowners come to me and say, I want to convert over to a more desert landscape. They won't let me. You HOA know? said absolutely not yeah and and, uh, that's that's a challenge you know if you you want to be mindful of where you live and we live in a desert and you want to do the right thing and your hoa says no
0: yeah
1: i don't know what else you can do i guess
0: keep petitioning keep pushing pushing the board yeah
1: yeah for sure all right so uh well again commendable with, with the flip blitz i hope that in a couple of years we're like ah we didn't need to do that after all look at all the water everywhere but You never know. And that kind of leads us into monsoon season. Uh, I remember not that long ago, maybe five years ago, the lightning show on fourth of july was usually as good or better than the fireworks show because we had those monsoons coming in and and you know you'd be sitting out in your lawn chair and start raining on you and it it would rain pretty hard uh matt can you talk about monsoon season and lightning if we get lightning this year but no rain that's actually more of a problem than than anything isn't it
2: for sure that's always the challenge with the season is uh is if it's a dry season, uh, you know we tend to get still get some of that energy coming through. And, yeah, we do, <laughs> and so you get those lightning strikes, and uh, and, and of course you, they, they can be pretty tough. Some of those are pretty remote, and so by the time you know whether there's a problem, it's it's really a big problem.
1: Yeah, and yeah. so
2: it uh, it can be a challenge. So just like you mentioned, we surely hope it comes. We yeah, uh, we water, just hope water, the water, water comes first, and uh, yeah. and that it don't it doesn't all come at once either. That it kind of comes to us a little slowly over time, and yeah. Yeah. Really fill things up.
1: How long have you been fire chief now, man?
2: Um, so it's, uh, I, I've been here in Washington about nine years uh, and okay. the chief about six.
1: Very good. Very good. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my, by the way, my grandpa was fire chief for American Fork for. 40 years or whatever and he used to tell some stories that i don't i wouldn't repeat on the radio because there were some bad things happen as a fire chief you probably have seen just about everything at this point but
2: yeah there's uh, you know i say it all the time it's it's really the best profession there is in the world uh you know it's all about just helping people out uh, but it uh, it can be pretty taxing on the other side because unfortunately sometimes there's nothing you can do to help and yeah that's pretty tough
1: that's true. Uh, and, and you know, Matt, uh, I've had fire chiefs on here. One of my favorite uh, charities topics is suicide prevention. And unfortunately, first responders are, I think, three times more likely to take their own lives after they've retired or even while they're still working than others. And one of the guys that came in, he said, you know, we have as a first responder, a police officer or a fire or a paramedic, we have this little box. And when we see something traumatic, we put it away in the little box and because we, we have a job to do. And he said, unfortunately, when you get time, either off time or maybe when you retire, you have to start facing some of the things in the box. Do you guys at Washington City, do you have counselors, do you have counseling, some way to help your first responders deal with some of that stuff?
2: We do. We've, we've really seen a big shift, uh, you know, and we saw that even on a state level with some legislation uh, the last couple of years uh, you know back when I started in the in the service it, it was exactly what you talk about you, you know and you were actually even kind of coached that direction of yeah well, toughen up and you know and get over it
1: I remember yeah yeah <laughs> uh,
2: and uh, and now I think we uh, we, we have a, a much better handle on that uh, and, and some of those programs so yes, we do have internal programs of course uh, we have some standard stuff you know an employee assistance program uh, we have some peer counseling. Uh, We uh, we are instituting some uh, some annual uh, process where we uh, you know, we have everybody uh, meet with a counselor once a year, whether they think they need to or or not. And uh, (laughs) as we know that those will come up and uh, so establish that relationship and and uh, and keep them healthy. Uh, it's It's definitely a big part of our overall health is our mental health
1: it's it's a reality in in modern times it was always a reality i think we just kind of ignored it in the past and and now it's a reality i always tell the story and i'll just tell it real quick uh in in I think it was nineteen eighty two they did a study uh, they had five hundred people in a room and they asked for everyone to raise their hand that knew someone who had committed suicide. There were only maybe five or six hands that were raised. Uh, they did the same study same five hundred people in a room uh, this was a couple of years ago, two thousand and twenty I think, and almost every hand went up for people that knew someone who committed suicide, and the presumption was, well, there were that many more suicides, but the, the reality was that the people in the room back in 1982, most of them did know someone who had committed suicide, but back then, the stigma was so bad, you didn't want to talk about it, you didn't want to admit, yeah, my brother killed himself, or what, you, you did not want to say that, and that's actually the difference, it's finally come out, now in the open, we need to talk about it, talking about it helps, it doesn't hurt. So. For
2: sure, and we, uh, we've come a long ways, we've got a long ways to go. Uh, for sure to, uh, yeah. to you know to finish that and and, uh, and really uh, do everything that we can but uh, we, we we are doing quite a bit to, to try to help
1: All right, let's take a quick break when we come back we'll talk budget with Mayor Staley on Mayor Thursday on the Andy Griffin show hey, I just wanted to thank you for listening to news radio 925 KDXQ We are your home for BYU sports
3: for the F3, got he's got a touchdown catch
1: the latest news.
3: I'm Greg Knapp from the KDXU 24-hour news center. Here's what's happening. It's a-
1: my show, The Andy Griffin Show. Welcome to the program. I'm Andy. Thank you for tuning in on this sunshiny Monday. And of course, the best of conservative politics from around the globe with the Travis and Section Show, John Hannity, Ben Shapiro, and Mark Levin. You can find it all right here on News Radio 890-925-KDXU.
0: This is Mark
3: Levin, and you're listening to The Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890
2: 92.5 KDXU. Stay tuned to KDXU for my show at 6 p.m.
3: today.
1: I have one promo, guys, that it's Sean Hannity, and Sean Hannity says. You're listening to my good friend, Andy Griffin. I've never met Sean Hannity. I I, I assume he's a nice guy, I guess, but uh, it kind of cracks me up because, it, well, it, you know, when I first started working here, they told me, uh, yes, yeah, send something to Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and Ben Shapiro, and then they'll all do promos for your show. And I'm like, they're not going to, come on, they're not going to do a promo for my, you know, they're in New York City or wherever they're at, they're not going to do a promo for my show. So I sent them out, and son of a gun, within a week I had, but in their voices, I had a promo from all those guys. But and I did one recently, and and yeah, Sean Hannity said, my good friend Andy Griffin. I'm like, oh, okay, not really. <laughs> not. But uh, I've not been on his show, and he's not been on my show. But uh, but at least he did the promo, so so that was good. Uh, let's talk budget for a minute. It's Mayor Thursday. Matt Evans is the uh, Washington City Fire Chief. He's here with us along with Mayor Chris Staley from Washington City. Uh, let's talk about. Overall budget and then budget for sure. uh, what was the, what was the word we used? Oh, there goes public also.
0: maybe public safety.
1: Public safety. That was the that was the word I was looking for. So overall budget first. Tell us about it and uh, what are we talking about numbers wise, Chris? Yeah.
0: So so this is our largest budget yet. And it is a direct result of the exponential growth that uh, we haven't asked for, mm-hmm. but it has come our way.
1: It's coming anyway.
0: So our budget is just over $120 million, and, and that starts on a fiscal year basis. So we refer to this as our 2023 budget. Starts July 1, 22, and goes through June 30th of 23.
1: Now, folks, Chris Staley, his day job, he's an insurance salesman, right? He's yes. An insurance agent. Yes. Uh, When you hear a number like one hundred and twenty million, does it blow you away, or you're like, "Wow, that's that's a big number"?
0: It it is, but going through that process, you recognize that even with a number that big, there are so many needs, and and, and included in there, and and not many, if any, wants. So Mm -hmm. certainly there are competing demands, and and really, when you put together a budget like this, um, you're looking at probably around forty percent, fifty-two million of it is capital projects. So we're talking, you know, we talked about stormwater, right? Nine point four million in that is for upgrades in stormwater, for trunk lines and retention bases and drain intakes, and we couple those projects with stu- with sewer and water and streets. And so uh, these are kind of the, you know, that infrastructure throughout the city. So a big part of that um, of that budget is is capital projects, infrastructure, and things that. Um, you know we just didn't wake up this morning and say hey we we need to spend money on this or that right. we've been saving for for years and sometimes decades for some of these projects that are just now coming to fruition does
1: does the current problem with inflation that we have and it's crazy i mean we're talking for over 5 bucks a gallon for gas is that factored in your budget is it i mean you your budget say i budgeted such and such dollars to put in a new road or to put in some new uh, plumbing uh, you know sewers or whatever and then you find out when you get there, oh by the way, everything costs forty percent more or whatever
0: absolutely it's 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 a real challenge, and I mean especially when you talk about you know asphalt and concrete and those things and roads and so um we're doing what we can. Um, the benefit that we have in Washington is we've been very uh, fiscally conservative for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we, we balance our budget. We, we are not going into a deficit. Uh, we keep the state-allowed fund balance or savings reserve account. Mm-hmm. And um, we have very minimal debt. So so we're, we're really healthy, really strong financially. Good, um, Good. You know, we're we're as far as you know the things that fund government operations. You know, we're, we're we're probably a little heavy with rooftops as opposed to you know commercial entities that provide sales tax dollars, but that's starting to level out as we we have these you know defined areas where we think uh, you know commerce makes sense. So we'll start to see that even out a little bit. But but we're we're doing pretty well, and we still try to do more with less and. You know,
1: if if I live in Washington City, will my property taxes go up?
0: No, no, no. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I, a lot of a lot of municipalities will try to fund their entire public safety budget with property tax uh, proceeds or, or revenue to a city. It's revenue to us. Right. In my personal budget, it's an expense, you know. <laughs> and you look at that property tax bill and and, you know, the the city portion of that property tax bill is just a small sliver of that. You're talking the county and the school district and other sure. uh, taxing entities. And so what actually happens is as property values go up, the mill levy goes down. And that's worked through the state tax commission and, and with, with the county. So we don't really see an increase, you know, any significant increase um, in our property tax revenue as property values go up. Any increase that, that we have is primarily a result of uh, new construction, so for example, in our twenty two budget, we were about three point four million in property tax revenue, and in our twenty three uh, proposed budget we 're about three point eight million so we 're increasing about ten percent um, but the interesting thing about that is it does not cover public safety, right Our public safety budget in twenty two was about nine point four million mm-hmm. in twenty three it 's eleven million so we 've gone up about fifteen percent in our cost to provide public safety, and our our uh, property tax has only gone up about ten percent and doesn 't even cover you know only a, maybe about a third of our overall cost so we're so we 're funding a lot of our public safety with sales tax revenue to a city
1: okay cool uh, I did want to ask before we let you go we 're down to the last couple of minutes here. Main Street, I heard there may be, uh, and I know this isn't in your control, but yeah. uh, there may be some adjustments to the way they're going to handle the eventual Main Street exit there.
0: Yeah, so, so Main Street, it's a UDOT project. The mm-hmm. design is, they, they are pushing with the design. It's about 95% complete. We expect that to, to be complete and out for bid by the uh, end of the year. Okay. And for that construction to start on that next year. Um, they, the UDOT allocated $40 million. Uh, to do it right would cost about $60 million. So we're going to have some back and forth. We've, we've contributed about $2 million to the project, but they are the lead on that. Right. It's an extension to three lanes and an off-ramp uh, onto main north and south. And we'll have an open house about that when, when UDOT's ready for us to have some solid information. We want to share that out to the community, make sure people know about it.
1: Uh, is anybody going to lose their house on this? There are going to be some houses taken away.
0: You know, I, I do not know about that. I know that we're doing everything we can to soften the impact and to uh, calm the traffic that comes onto that. And I think they're being as creative as they possibly can. And certainly we're sympathetic and aware to everything. And it was, it was you know, this, this current mayor and council, this was something that was not in our hands or control. But now we're working, working through the results of it.
1: Growing pains, right? <laughs> well the said. Growing pains. <laughs> Matt, thank you for coming on today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Talking uh, fire and fire season. Good luck on the firework season. Uh, I know it'll be a challenge. Chris, it's always a pleasure. Appreciate you coming on Thank today. You. We have uh, run out of time here on the Andy Griffin Show. Thanks for tuning in today. News is coming up tomorrow. We'll be taking all your phone calls. I'll have a couple of uh, special topics ready for you as well on Open Line Friday. Right now, let's check out Let's check out news.